0: Welcome to Clear the Air, a new open and transparent podcast that will dive into all issues advertising related, highlighting hot topics, thought leadership, and relevant cultural issues. For today's episode, we are excited to have a sit down with Gabe Larson, the VP of Growth at Customer, a leading customer service CRM platform that helps contact centers and businesses reimagine service and support in today's customer-first world. Gabe has spent the majority of his career gaining knowledge of customer experience and applying it to companies such as Accenture, Goldman Sachs, Gallup, InsideSales.com, and Customer. Now, here's your host, RPA's VP of Audience Intelligence, Phil Irvine. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for the, the
1: introduction. And again, uh, excited to get with uh, Gabe Larson here. Um for those that don't know, I actually appeared on Gabe's podcast, the Customer Service Secrets podcast. One so, of the best podcasts yet, man. One of the best podcasts we've had. Yet. <laughs> so, uh, you know, how does it feel to be on the on, on the flip side on, on the firing squad this time instead of the host asking the questions here?
2: Oh, it's so much better to be the host, man. You just ask some fun questions and keep learning still in people's secrets. So, I'm I'm offended you'd ask me back, but I'll do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, glad. Really appreciate uh uh, you taking the time out here to to join us. So, you know, Matt Matt gave a brief intro of your background, but you know, I'm always fascinated with people who hold, uh, you know, head of growth or VP of growth titles because it yes. differentiates between if you're working for a brand or you know a SaaS type company. Can you just describe a little bit, you know, some of your main you know roles and responsibilities at, at customer? Absolutely. You know, I. Just real quick, previous
2: to customer, you know, I've loved the customer CX space, and I do feel like leaders have an onus to touch as much as they can of the customer journey because the more you see, the more you can impact. You know, I spent five years as a customer transformation consultant with Toyota. And, um, I was actually spent m- multiple years in the Middle East, in Dubai, and Saudi Arabia, and trying to develop customer strategies. And so I've always had an appreciation for the customer journey. The sad thing is, as you go into B2B, which I'm at, you know, B2B SaaS, that's customer. We're a customer service CRM, helping companies really transform their CX through a couple of key things that we'll probably touch on a little bit today. But I run growth. Primarily, that is marketing responsibilities. But I do feel like that CMO and typical marketing idea, it's a little more... I don't know. I feel like it's getting more older school growth is so much more designed to help our company grow and your company grow as a prospect. And I think that's exactly what CX teams need right now. That cliche of it's not a cost center, you know, it's a growth center. Um, so that's what I like to infuse. I do have the marketing element and our uh, half some of our sales team, but really I also work with our customers to try to help them educate on using our platform and growing. And so I do see multiple areas of the organization. I just think that growth title. It's a better way to do it. It's a better way to do
1: it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh that that's definitely interesting because yeah, you know, you see some iterations. CMO was kind of the historical classic right. title, growth. You see, chief revenue officer is another common one that you see mm-hmm. at some organizations. Um, but I guess, you know, with 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 customer, you know, there's you know, I, I made the uh, I'm I'm not going to call it a mistake necessarily, but I, I know I called out Zendesk when we did our podcast before. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what do you think differentiates customer and allows it to 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 uh, realize this vision of becoming customer centric, audience centric with the way it, it it puts out programs and, and uh, manages interactions with their client base? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, the short thing is, is ticket versus people. Um, you know, we are really. I mean, that's a li- again, a little bit of a cliche word, but if I had to sum it in one line, we're just so designed around the person. And I think that's what customer service needs in order to really be a differentiator. If you're gonna call in, what if I knew everything about the person? The ticket's one part of it. The order is another part of it. The channels are another part of it, right? So instead of centralizing around the ticket, we centralize around a person and then you can interact from an agent perspective with a customer. You're empowered to have everything you need. I mean, again, 360 views, a little bit of a used term, but you really have that 360 view of the customer enabled by a tool set like customer with a K. And that is, that's how we're differentiating ourselves versus some of these legacy tool systems that maybe people are familiar with.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, and and you, you touched on something, uh, you know, a second ago of turning, you know, call centers, contact centers into profit centers, I guess, you know, um, what are, you know, what are some of the mechanisms that, you know, either you've observed to make that happen or that customer, you know, uniquely provides in terms of capabilities to allow its organizations to, to make that transition?
2: You know? Yeah, a couple of things, you know, one is um, probably a more holistic view of the customer. So I think in a lot of the support centers, you do just have a typical contact center idea where I answer phone calls where there's problems with customers. With modern brands, um, customer service starts at the very beginning. Um, someone lands on your website, for example, and has a question about your product. Um, how are, How is your knowledge based? What is your chat program doing? How smart are your agents about the product? Now we're talking about selling. We're not even talking about post-sales experience because this person hasn't even purchased, right? So I think a lot of brands are taking the contact center idea and saying, no, 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 no. customer journey is the whole thing. How do we start to engage and optimize that experience from first touch to last touch? And that, I think, again, is something we can support and I think is very powerful. The second thing that I think is very big is the empowerment of the agent. Um, words like swivel chair interface, you um, uh, is something that comes to mind, but it's these agents they're on the phone and they're basically stuck with the information that they get, or I say phone, chat, email, whatever it is, the information they have in front of them. And so, if you really want to upsell somebody, you want to get them further into your community, that context is really going to matter. So, what I see when I do shadow sessions with agents. All they're doing is well your flight changed from x to y and i can change this well did you tell them that you know two weeks ago they bought a upgraded ticket what if, what if you offered an upgraded ticket right here well, well Gabe, i don't have that information i didn't know they did that two weeks ago i didn't see that order um do you give upsell opportunities do you empower your agents to see more so that they can create revenue rather than just keep revenue So I think those are two really smart ways brands are doing it to get that cost center to profit center. Now, there's some technological differences that you might need to consider in a platform as well. But philosophically speaking, entire customer journey, context or empowerment to actually help people buy more from you makes a big difference.
1: Yeah, that's um, no, that's it's, it's interesting as you as you talk through that, because. In my current role, you know, my team is responsible for audience strategy and, you know, RPA is mostly on point for upper funnel paid media yes. advertising. And we have this 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 saying here is that we try to advertise to people not where they are in terms of media channels, but where they're going, totally. you know, and, and take it in that context and trying to you know, make predictions about where they are, you know, what channels they're going to be consuming, but also what are their needs and motivations. And it it sounds like there's a lot of parallels with the teams that you, you all work with as well, too.
2: Well, and I think it's something, you know, as a marketer by trade, yeah, some of the things you mentioned are very natural and normal, you, you know, audience identification of what's right, what's not. I love that skate to where the puck's going versus where it's at. But I think, again, customer service has not been there. They've just been, do what you are accustomed to do. But what if I could, in the moment, recommend something, AI or some automation, recommend a product that's very complementary to the one you're talking about on the phone, because we were able to pick that up through sentiment analysis. <laughs> Boom, You know, now I'm talking about bringing customer support to a modern, <laughs> as a marketer, I'm like, yeah, we always got recommendations and different things like that, but I just think customer service has got to get to that level and we we are. I think we're getting closer.
1: Very good, very good. Um, you know, um, as as you know, customer and organizations try to get closer to that vision. You know, with the explosion of digital and just the the multitude of methods that you can yeah. engage with and reach customers. You know, how, you know, how, how do either you or the clients you work with think about you know focus from a channel perspective and and maybe, you know, what are some of the the trends you're seeing with the channels that are netting the best results with, yeah, you know, having positive customer experiences?
2: Absolutely. I mean, certainly they're still dominant channels, right? Phone, email and chat top the three. And that's kind of what we see throughout the industry. I'd call those a little more of traditional channels. Um, however, there is this change in. Um, the way I think people are viewing it. For a long time, we viewed everything as a multi-channel interaction. What multi-channel basically said is like, hey, as a vendor, I'm going to allow you to contact me on a different channel, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to support each of those channels. So for example, I was dealing with an airline the other day, was chatting with them, had a very okay interaction, didn't quite get my, my uh, uh, information that I needed, so I picked up another channel and they're a multi-channel vendor. They answered the phone. Now, that phone agent had no clue what that agent on chat had. That's, the, that's one of the challenges with a multi-channel mm-hmm. vendor. Um, but it did allow me to actually interact with them on a channel that I preferred or a channel that I wanted. But inherently, in what I just said with multi-channel, is the problem that so many companies are still dealing with. And there is a confusion between multi-channel and omni-channel. But this movement to that from from multi om makes a huge difference, right? And the example I just gave, what would happen is that phone agent would pick up the phone and say, hey, Gabe, looks like you were frustrated talking with our chat agent. Was this, you know, and then they can potentially help resolve it because all of a sudden, channels become agnostic. Um, I don't really think about a channel as an agent. I just see a conversation. And that change in mindset for companies, it may sound small. (laughs) It may sound small, but it's so big. It's not a channel anymore. It's just a con. I don't care if it's text, phone, email, Facebook, Instagram. It's just an ongoing conversation. And that's what we have as humans. Like, I'm used to text, right? It's a synchronous communication where we just continually have a dialogue with somebody over three, six, nine months. That's what I think customer agents are starting to really see the power in. What if I just have an ongoing conversation, irregardless of the channel, and then I can really, again, see my past history, et cetera, et cetera. So I think this multi-channel, omni-channel, it's a small... (laughs) Sometimes like people push back. It's a small difference, but I promise it's a really big difference. So that's one big, I think thing we're seeing in channel. Um, the second thing I think we're seeing is certainly the digital channel blow up, right? I mean, um, WhatsApp? Wow. I know that's not a North American product or something that's very predominant, but you know, some of our international clients, they really want to speak through that channel. That becomes a little bit of an interesting problem for companies because, you know, they don't have a customer service platform that provides that kind of connection. And so I do think is, and this is based on your client base, but it's really fascinating to see Instagram, WhatsApp, um, Twitter, you know, some of these more, I'd call them second tier channels in some ways because they weren't predominantly used with like phone, email and chat really start to see push and we're just seeing more and more people go towards those. And I love it because I think it hits that core philosophy of, be where your customers are. If they want Apple chat, have Apple chat. If they want WhatsApp, you need to be WhatsApp. And then you bring in that omni-channel approach. Now you've got the channel plus the omni-channel instance, you're getting pretty close to good customer service.
1: Awesome. That's uh, no, definitely good. Uh, great you know, a great description and great, a great example there. I think, you know, it's what's interesting. I I saw on your podcast, you did a a solo episode talking about how it has to start at the top. Um, You know, incidentally, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, the Rewatchables. It's on the Ringer podcast network. And uh, Bill Simmons famously did a podcast about Castaway and he felt compelled to do it by himself, like a whole, Usually, he has two or three guests, but he, he did it by himself. So I, I was, uh, you know, definitely envious that you took the uh, the, the leap there and did your, um, you know, solo solo podcast there. But I, I, I'm assuming, you know, when you talk about the shift from multi-channel to omni-channel, there has to be a lot of buy-in from, you know, yeah. the, the the top yeah. and the execs. Can I guess? Can, can you maybe speak a little bit to that? You know, for those that didn't hear your your you know your episode, because I'm assuming that's a that's a huge component to 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 make this shift
2: yeah, yeah i mean in general uh, you know it's not just omni multi channel to omni channel it's kind of a a new customer service transformation and we're really seeing two things are blocking people from achieving their vision one is just executive buy-in and i've been part of these conversations and uh, you know <laughs> Uh, you know, having played on the CX side for a while, um, we have our own language. And that language, unfortunately, is not the language of an executive team. And so I'd probably just coach and say, you know, um, if you haven't read a love language book or something like that, like you got to speak the language mm-hmm. of the people you're talking to. Um, and that's usually where I try to start with people. It's like, look, MPS, CSAT, um, you know, even costs, you know, sometimes that's those are numbers that the the executive team is like, what, like CSAT, like I'm going to do this and it's going to increase my talk to me about that bottom line. Like, yeah. like Talk to me about pro- profit. You know, how are you guys going to be a profit center or, or tie your CSAT to a number that I understand? So yeah. I do think that's one quick tip I'd give if you're really trying to get that E team bought in. I think that makes a difference. The second thing I think that's really getting people to stumble on achieving this vision is this Frankenstack concept. Um, and I've been loving it. I actually was t- <laughs> I'm stealing it from a buddy of mine. I was interviewing him for a podcast, and he just said, Gabe, the problem I'm having is, you know, we've been in the business for 10 years and we've created this Frankenstack, you know, and ultimately. My team goes to, to do returns, they go here to get um, the CRM, they go here to do channels. We got a chat bot that doesn't connect to anything. And then I got a phone system that's a contact center system. And then I got this ticket system. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, it's this it's this Frankenstein. And look, you as a service leader, you and a customer, maybe you didn't create the Frankenstack, but one, you got to get away from it. You got to find a way to simplify that and modernize some of those legacy tool sets. But I think helping your executive team feel that and understand that this is the old way, this is the new way, and therefore here are the business benefits. I just love that three part talk track old way, frank, Mm -hmm. multi system, cumbersome, agent problem, agent engagement, new way, simplified, modern stack, only one system that does everything, or one system that connects to three systems, but we're all just in here, and therefore business benefits. You know, I think you're on to something for that transformational journey to start, because as I said in my rant cast, yeah, you try to go at this alone without that executive buy-in, I think you're lost, and it's a quick way to maybe start thinking about winning.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, no, it's interesting as you as you mentioned that, um, because earlier I was actually going to ask you how organizations have to think about, you know, what measurements or KPIs to focus on, because- you know, when you were speaking, I would imagine you know maybe the uh, the call center team has like a certain goal. The right, right. the person who manages chat, they you know they have like like response time goals or something along those lines. And I gotta think if you you know if you're trying to get to this consolidated omni-channel view, you have to rethink the way that you that you measure the effectiveness uh, of your tactics versus just like a channel specific uh, lens. And which is kind of what we see in advertising too. A lot of organizations are very siloed with how they measure individual channels versus like the holistic experience.
2: Yeah, that, that's a, it is a really interesting point. I mean, there is something still because because of the way that people interact for them, meaning the customer, you might still find channel related statistics somewhat interesting. But again from an agent perspective we don't find as many people having just like a dedicated chat team or just a dedicated phone team because again this is now kind of a conversation where and man i could give you some stories phil you know just as a tidbit but it's it's interesting to see this in action where i i watched this customer journey where someone interacted with a chat um actually told the agent like i gotta i gotta leave i gotta jump in the car Um, Can I text you real quick? So they jump in, and he's texting with this agent. They can't quite figure it out. And so they quickly call, all with the same agent, but all just channels changing so quickly. And again, in the old world, that's just like, that's three different people with three different tickets, three different agents, three different answers. And so in that new world, it's just one agent with three different channels but you might still find again the experience might be different for people who are in chat people might be different but that's more of a customer metric maybe than your own so i think some of that can still apply that you're used to how fast you respond or um, yep. in this omni channel world i do think there's you got to look at it slightly different so got bet.
1: you got you so it's kind of a ba- yeah you got to have maintain a balance where there still are some channels Absolutely. specific metrics that are valuable but you got to rethink the, it's funny when you describe that specific example, I, I think it's discover credit card where um, the customer is calling into the company and they're talking to a version of themselves, like <laughs> as if the person knows them so well that they could, you know, uh, take care of their questions. Like it, when you, when you walk through that example, it reminded me of that, <laughs> that advertisement. Well,
2: it's funny. I mean, it is still the Holy grail. I mean, you still want to go to your you want what you get from that local barista you know at, at your local starbucks where you walk in and they say hey gabe here's your coffee and here's what it is we all want to deliver that and i think you know some of these systems and these these ideas um multi-channel etc they are still limiting us and until we break through
1: that i don't think we're going to quite get to that holy grail yeah yeah def- definitely definitely um so, yeah, just a, you know, a last subject that I wanted to touch on, which is uh, I think we, you know, I think we were talking about this and I know it's been a conversation here at, at our agency is, uh, you know, with COVID and the economy, uh, the issue of supply chain right now, you know, whether it's uh, uh, because materials, there's a backlog, um, you know, I know when, when COVID started to kind of turn positive, there was a spike in demand for a lot of consumer products. Um You know, we work with a furniture company and they're seeing, you know, four or five times in lead times to receive materials. Um, The auto industry is is definitely in a weird spot with this microchip shortage that uh, uh, was being sourced from Japan. And so I guess I'm curious with, 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 you know, being a customer and some of the clients you work with, you know, what are maybe some of the proactive tactics or innovative things that you've seen of how they've dealt with, you know, the inevitable challenges of trying to maintain positive experiences with your customers while having to deal with these, you know, long lead times for product delivery? Yeah,
2: yeah I mean, this is true. It's, it is scary. I mean, the, the supply chain stuff is real, and I think everybody's feeling it. And um, the, the answers, I don't think, are as easy as we want to solve the supply chain stuff, right? Ultimately, we, customer, we don't get involved in that as much, but your your question is where we do get involved. And one of the really interesting things I found, and this is actually pre-customer, but it's a, it's a principle that I think relates very well to this idea. And that was, we were working with a bank. Um, I was working on customer transformation projects, and we were trying to figure out um, what things had a direct correlation to um, customer engagement. And so we were studying um, how long people wait in a line to see a teller. Um, And one of the things we found is that if you could have a good wait, it didn't matter if you had a long wait time, what mattered the most is if you were satisfied with the wait time, if you could put up a TV and have them watch something, even if they waited 30 minutes, Mm. they were actually very engaged. And I remember it was like, Oh, that's really interesting. Like, yeah, if you just let them sit in line, they're going to be ticked. But if you do something to change their experience during the wait time, you've got this customer who's actually pretty happy. Very similar principle here that we're seeing at customer, where yes, you're experiencing supply chain issues. So the question is, how do you make that wait time better? Um, and that's I think the proactiveness of support. Now, proactive support's not necessarily a new term, but I think some people are taking it. a whole nother level, like continual updates on what's going on with your product that you do not have to find out yourself. I think that's the difference in customer engagement. If you find out that your plane ticket got switched last minute, you're frustrated. If somebody keeps you up to date and then recommends a change for you, there's a whole different mental shift going on. If you order and you have to go and say, where's my order on the website? I think you kind of lost them. You know where that order is, or you should. And if you come proactively say, it looks like this is going to be delayed a couple days, can I do this for you? Again, what's the satisfaction with the wait time? Maybe you give them a concession, maybe you recommend a different product, but the word comes down to proactive support. A lot of teams just aren't set up for that, or they don't have the automation set up for it, and so they're all an inbound call center. What we're talking about here is an outbound or an automation set that allows you to get proactive and make that wait
0: time enjoyable.
1: Yeah, that it's funny that that's super interesting because it made me think of two examples. You know, yeah, you spoke about air, your, your airline experience, and um, I think it was I think it's Delta. They're very good about proactive push notifications yes. within their app. You know. What what's your gate? Is there a delay? Uh, what time are you boarding? And you know, it's funny when I first saw that, I, I I kind of felt bombarded. I was like, yeah, why you know why are you communicating with me so much? But if you think about the scenario where you're not receiving any of that information, I could completely see how you know I would be frustrated with the yeah. airline. So it's it's I think about that, and then a uh, uh, sport clips is is where I get my haircut. Uh, regularly and you can kind of check in on your mobile app and up front they give you the expected wait time and you know honestly I I really sometimes I don't care if it's two hours or two minutes because I can I can go and you know run other errands or get caught up yeah so isn't that such a fascinating thing because that breaks the
2: common mold that we've all thought that wait time for example like that matters so much but again you just gave and I don't know if people grasp that. I just, to me, it's a big aha that you don't care about wait time. It's about what you're doing or the communication during the wait time that actually drives the customer engagement. And That goes against, I think, hundreds of years of customer support that it doesn't matter if it's three weeks for wait time. What? What matters? I see, yeah, I, I hope people recognize. But I do think your point on the Delta is interesting. How are we... And I think this is the next wave of of customer service. Um, I'm I'm kind of in my own language calling it integrated customer service. It's not inbound, it's not outbound, it's integrated. But think of that that almost that Alexa type experience. Where what if you woke up each morning and had like a personal assistant update you on your day about different things that are happening? The bus is going to be late for school. This product is basically going to be late. And so I'm recommending that we go here, you know, your flight, like it needs to integrate, can't be disruptive. Like I'm just keep getting all these alerts, turn this crap off, but how do we get integrated so that we just work with someone within their life? Um, that is going to be, I think something really important because again, it's not enough just to be an inbound call center. It's not enough just to be proactive and just, boing them with alerts all the time, it's got to be integrated service. Yep.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, uh, that's a great segue. You know, I think before we, uh, before we wrap up here, um, you mentioned the one example of, of interacting with a brand and kind of following you through chat and, and text, but, uh, is there any, you know, any, any top of mind brands or experiences that have kind of stood out to you recently that are either, you know, the north star that brands should strive towards or you know starting to get in that direction just just curious if you if you have an example of what what good looks like you know i mean i there's a couple brands that do come to mind but the
2: experiences may be you know i love what Untucket's doing i love what glossier's doing um um i love what bodybuilding are doing um and part of that i think is one they 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 have amazing brands just in of themselves Um, number two, I think customer service has become real differentiating for them. Like people have come to expect something different from them. So I I do, I think those are people to maybe consider, but you know, on the experience side that I thought was pretty cool was, um, that I just saw the other day that I thought was a little bit unique, um, was (laughs) there was this individual that was chatting, um, and he was chatting with a chatbot, and he was based in France, but he was actually speaking Arabic. Um, and the chatbot had the ability to basically recognize that situation, which, if you think about it, is just pretty mm-hmm. difficult. He's in France, but he's speaking Arabic. So it actually then routed that individual to an Arabic speaking representative with language detection, although normally, you know, they do more location detection. I just thought that example of AI was, was fairly cool. And I think, you know, what we're doing, what companies are doing now to not just put AI everywhere, but bring automation to the forefront. And some of those brands I think are leading there um, are just making everybody a little bit happier because people want to self-service, you know, I think finding that ability to allow me to find my own answers quickly um, with intelligence automation, I think we all want that. The brands want it and the customers want it. I think those brands are doing pretty good at it. Awesome. That's a,
1: yeah, that's a, that's a
2: super interesting example. I mean, again, it's tactical, but I was just like, whoa, that's, you know, using (laughs) language to actually, I mean, we all know routing capabilities from our call center days, right? But language detection is a routing capability. That's
1: cool. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely, um. Well, uh, well, Gabe, yeah, I you know, appreciate you totally. uh, coming on the, the Clear the Air podcast. Yeah, we definitely got to do another Home and Home sometime, you know, hey, uh, middle of next year at <laughs> some point. <Yeah.
2: laughs> home and Home, I love it. Hey, man, yeah, it's fun. Appreciate you being on and, and hopefully that was beneficial to the group.
0: Definitely. All right. Thanks again and uh, thanks for coming on. Clear the Air is brought to you by RPA, a full service advertising agency based in Santa Monica, California. RPA is comprised of over 650 creative thinkers, marketing specialists, and client profit maximizers who do a lot of different things. Strategy, creative, media, digital, social, data, web dev, tech, search, and more to support your brand's needs. Music by Jeremy Levy